Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to a special Lost Without Moments bonus interview episode of the Lost Without Japan podcast. Our bi-weekly podcast is focused on getting you to Japan for your first visit or to make your next adventure to Japan even better than your last. Today's special episode is with Dana, who is a fellow fan of Japan, a recent traveler, and someone who has recently moved to Japan while running her own and truly amazing and unique business on top of that. This is your director of travel for TKIC Studio Productions, coming to you with positive thoughts and excitement for your next journey to Japan and my own return in summer 2023. I'd like to thank you all for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we can all use a beacon like this one in our lives to help guide us during these times. And my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you again for your time and returning once more. For today's show, let me introduce our special guest, Dana, who recently moved to Japan, like I said, and is owner of DestinationsWithDana.com. When I reached out to Dana about her pictures and her vacation and to discuss her destination weddings and photography services that she offered, possibly maybe for Japan, I didn't think that we would be actually discussing her move to Japan on top of that. I truly feel very fortunate to have Dana join us to discuss what it's like to move to Japan and just be a simply amazing destinations wedding photographer and to share a bit about what she does and... No, who knows, Dana? I may meet someone one day and reach out to you as well. So, you know, welcome, Dana. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. What a great introduction. You know, we try, we try. It's all free. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I'm just happy to have you on today and geek out about just photography in general, Japan, and your site. And really, before we get going with today's episode, where can listeners go to ask questions about your services and to answer maybe any additional questions they might have? Yeah, well, like any other millennial, I am on social media. I, you can find me on Instagram at Destinations with Dana. And then you can also check out my work at DestinationsWithDana.com. I am not on TikTok. I do not have the patience for that one yet. <laughs> You're not alone in that. And I was like, it's like I'm happy to have my, my Instagram page. I was just like, I'm like, I have Me this. <laughs> this Thanks is enough. There. I neglect this enough already. So I <laughs> just want to hand it kind of off to you and whatever you want to share. It is open for you. Thank you very much. Well, everyone knows my name is Dana already. I am a military wife. My husband is in the Navy. So that being said, my life is all about traveling and moving to different states, even different parts of the world. I was born and raised in Pennsylvania, um, in the middle of Amish country, Pennsylvania. So I grew up in a very small town and I 
used to actually want to be a teacher, believe it or not. I used to love history, but now I'm a photographer. So my life is all about this traveling, moving, and taking my photography business with me. My husband and I, we don't have any kids, so we just spend most of our time together. And we do have a dog, though, which is practically the same thing. I would agree. I would agree. Fur yeah. babies count. <laughs> no Absolutely. Doubt about it. Yeah. <laughs> they really, they cost just as much. No, <laughs> no doubt about it. Especially, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. I yeah, mean, we a will lot get more. into that later. <laughs> what else do you like to do outside of this you know, recent move and everything else that you have going on? So some of the hobbies I have to do outside of Japan are actually traveling. My husband and I love to travel and we love just going to different parts of the world. Recently, I taught him how to do landscape photography. So he's been doing really good with animals and landscape. And I think he likes landscape photography over people photography because he doesn't have to talk to people. And that's just kind of what we like to do for fun. It's just travel the world and take landscape photos and live our life in the military. That is awesome. What led to your interest then in destination weddings and photography and all of that? It was actually a really great story. I love sharing this one. So thank you for asking. My husband and I used to live in Hawaii and I was an RBT registered behavior technician. So I taught kids who had autism or were on the autistic scale. And I worked a lot. I'm talking probably 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. on most days. And I was missing a lot of time with my husband. So even if he was home, I was working a lot. And I really just missed that time with him. I missed being with him. And although the job was rewarding, it was also pretty draining. I decided that it was time for me to end my time as an RBT. And I knew my time had come when the company I worked for basically had me choose between working that day or greeting my husband after coming home from a nine-month appointment. And I was like, I'm not going to miss my, my husband's homecoming. This normal job can't be for me anymore. And as somebody who moves around a lot, it's hard for someone with a college degree to even get a job in the first place when they're moving every couple of years. So that being said, my husband has encouraged me to take up photography again and try something new, try something different. And that's kind of where it started. I picked up a camera. I started photographing my a uh, friend's 16-month-old naked baby on the beach in Hawaii, and it turned into destination weddings, and it hasn't gone back since. No, I know you have uh, some Japan interests. What are yours? I love to go to mom-and-pop restaurants here in Japan. If they have a curtain as a door, that's the best place to go to. I enjoy eating the local foods, and I really enjoy going to the gotcha machines and the, the arcades with the claw machines. My husband and I are collecting plushies. We're collecting anime figurines. That's kind of what we like to do here in Japan uh, so far. So. I have to tell you, Fireworks Festival, if you haven't been already, when, when that finally comes around and you're able to do that, that's probably one of my favorite things that if it's within a slightly remote you know, trip for me, like I make that trip. It's like, you know, hop right. on the Shinkansen and I'm gone. So like, that's wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, that sounds amazing. We've only been here for a couple of months. So hopefully when we're here for the full year, we'll be able to experience a lot more activities. Yes. Uh, we just got done with the Cherry Blossom Festivals around Tokyo. Uh, those are incredible to do. But of course, you know, they only last about two weeks out of the year. So your photos were looking amazing. Thank you. So I know your husband is in the military and that kind of led a bit as to going to Japan. 
but I also wanted to talk about the vacation that got me, you know, interested in reaching out to you. What led you to choose Japan as that vacation? Was it because you were going to be moving there? Did you already have it set up? Like what led to that? Uh, A little bit of both, actually. My husband has loved Japan and the culture and anime since he was a kid. He's always wanted to visit. And one of the very first conversations we've had when we first started dating was if I don't want to travel to Japan, then we're not going to work out in our relationship. So <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I, at that point in my life, I never traveled outside like the Northeast region of the United States. And I, but I support him. And so he's always wanted to go. And we had, he's had the opportunity to go with the military. And we knew that Japan was eventually going to place he wanted to live in for a while. So our initial visit was for him to just actually experience Japan and not work. Because every time he's gone to Japan for work, it's been only for work and he hasn't had much time to explore, which is why we initially took a vacation where it's two and a half weeks off and we traveled, started in Tokyo, worked our way down the Sasebo and back up. And that was our trip. And eventually it led to us moving here too. Love it. I love it. Love it. I noticed uh, one of your things is that you had as a wish list was having uh, sushi for a first time. Were you able to check that off so far? Is that still on the <laughs> no. list of things that you need to do? I I have not tried sushi yet. I cannot get over the torrential <laughs> smell of a fish. I I the taste. I would walk by a restaurant that would ha- that would be cutting some raw fish out in the streets, and I would gag in my throat. And I'm like, I I can't get to it yet. But I'm hoping in the next three years I will try one. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You're you're not alone. Let me tell you, my son that's coming with is huge. Like he'll try everything from like eel to octopus and everything in Mm -hmm. between. He loves it. Mm -hmm. And my buddy Josh that's coming with us as well. He's so happy that my son is coming with because him and those two can run off and eat all of whatever they want to eat together and do all the different sushi. And then I run the other direction for like the curry (laughs) or noodles or like, you know, treats, dessert, bakery, whatever else. Like I'm totally in, but I I keep on walking on the other. So you're not allowed. You're not allowed. (laughs) I mean, honestly, Japan is known for their ramen and their sushi and you can't go either way. You can have the best one no matter what you choose. I just... I'm biased and I choose ramen over sushi. So, well, you can let your husband know that much like him and my uh, dating profile, when I put it out once in a great while, <laughs> I also put the uh, must be willing to move to <laughs> Japan one day. It's not even travel to Japan. It's like move to Japan one day. And it's not like it doesn't have to be for forever. But when I retire, I do want like a year or two at least there that I can live and kind of explore everything. To my heart's content. So let him know. He's he's not alone in that. So it's like and- I mean it's a great it's it's logical. It makes sense. So <laughs> Uh, just to, it shows how amazing he is that you know that you know worth all of that. You're like sure, I'll do that. You know, <laughs> so I mean, I would do anything for the one I love, and I love him dearly. So if he wanted to move to Japan, I support him 100. percent And now here we are. We're still married, by the way. So clearly, <laughs> we're doing something right with Japan. So I would agree. I'd agree. Okay. <laughs> so I know, like, he had a huge amount of interest in Japan. Mm-hmm. Were you the same way, or were you a little bit different? We are the definition of opposites attract. I, <laughs> I originally, I like a good anime and I love a good bowl of ramen, but honestly, I didn't know any of this before I met him and I didn't really have the same idea. 
I would fall, I fell in love with France and I love Europe and I would always move to Europe in a heartbeat, but I never had the idea of moving to Japan and much, let alone like learning about the cultural and the food and J drama and anime and all the things. So none of that was in the picture until I met him. And then it kind of changed over time. I started falling in love with the idea of Japan more and everything that it has to offer. That's awesome. I said, it, it does show you compliment each other. I can tell it already. Can I? Oh, thank <laughs> so. you. Well, you should meet him first, then you might change your mind after that. But. <laughs> What's one of the first things you'd recommend for someone visiting Japan? You know, they wake up their first day there. Like, what would you recommend to somebody? And I agree with one of these responses. I know this one already. Like, you, you don't know how much I already agree to this, but, I, you know. <laughs> I'm curious to know which one you agree with, though. <laughs> um, for those who are first entering Japan, after a long travel day, to me, it kind of feels like you're hungover, right? You're tired and you're exhausted and you're sleep deprived and you wake up the next morning. What's the first thing you want to do when you wake up, right? You want to get some carbs and you want to take a shower, not in that order. So my recommendation is whenever you're rested, you wake up, the very first thing you should do is go to McDonald's and <laughs> try their chicken breakfast sandwiches. It tastes so much better. And I feel I actually feel better after I have a chicken sandwich. Just don't eat one every day. But the first day you should give one a try. <laughs> no, I, I I would agree with the McDonald's sentiment. I, I love their breakfast sandwich, the sausage patty with cheese and egg. Mm -hmm. And there's like three of them stacked on top of each other. And that's like my go to more than I care to admit, like when, I, when I'm there starting off my day and people are like, how can you do it? I'm like, it is so much no better good. than the McDonald's. It's so much better. Like you don't understand until you have it. It's not like going here. It's like, please. Everything at, everything at McDonald's tastes better here in Japan than it does in the United States. Even their French fries taste a little bit better. So I definitely, the first day before you go explore and go wander, definitely just say you tried it. Just, just, just go do it. I promise you won't, you won't regret it. And when you were there on vacation, um, what were some of the favorite things that you did? Oh my goodness. I know that we wrote this down, but I have like so many more after thinking about it. So some of the very most favorite things that I've done, I am, like I said earlier, I used to want to be a teacher for history. So I personally love American history. And one of the first cities that kind of like been realized I was actually here and I moved to Japan was actually seeing and visiting Hiroshima and um, checking out the Peace Memorial and the Peace Park. We went at sunset and nobody else was out because it had just gotten over like a rainstorm. And for some reason, just at that memorial specifically and kind of just taking that moment in and having nobody else there around you except me and my husband. I just loved it. I loved Hiroshima. I love the park and Fukuoka. The amusement park is so fun. You can spend all day there. And really anything in Tokyo, anything and everything in Tokyo specifically was my favorite thing to do too. That's awesome. And I saw that you also went to Sasebo and Fukuoka and Nagasaki and Fukuoka. Mm -hmm. I will tell you is on my son and I's trip here coming up uh, this summer. What could you tell me about those three locations? So let's just go ahead and go in order from going down. Fukuoka is known for having one of the prettiest amusement parks in Japan. And what people, when people think about amusement parks, they think about like roller coasters and thrill rides. But this amusement park was different. There was a lot of like virtual reality rides. So you would sit on a chair, wear the goggles, but it feels like you're actually on the roller coaster or it feels like you're flying through the air. 
I was laughing hysterically the whole time through one of the rides. They actually had to like tell me to shut up basically. And like, <laughs> I was just laughing so hard. And everyone's like, what the heck is this foreigner doing? But I feel like that amusement park was my favorite. There's no roller coasters. There's a Ferris wheel, lots of virtual reality. There's games for the kids to play. There's mansions and museums to check out. You could spend all day there and then want to go back a second day because you haven't had time to finish the first day. And that was my favorite part about Fukuoka and Sasebo. Really, we just went down there because my husband used to port down there a couple of times for the military. And he wanted to go all the way down to Sasebo because there was a ramen shop he wanted to go back to. So uh, we, yeah, long train ride and everything because he really wanted to go to that ramen shop, which was perfect, by the way. So recommended that but really Sasebo is more so like a military town for us military couples it's nice to go down there though just to see parts of Japan that not many people think about and it's not that far from Nagasaki it's only maybe like an hour train ride north of Nagasaki and Nagasaki of course is the other you know historic site that you want to check out if you're into history too outstanding outstanding <laughs> and now let's get to the moving from California Mm-hmm. All the way to Japan. What's up? <laughs> you know, with your with your moving, not only you had to worry about getting your husband and yourself there, but like we said, uh, the furry member of the family as well. Mm-hmm. So much going on there. What can you tell me about that? First thing I want everyone to realize is when the military moves us, they don't move our animals. So we are responsible for moving our dogs, our cats, our bunnies, whatever, to different parts of the country or different parts of the world. We, of course, did not want to rehome our dog because she's our baby. So we had the privilege of moving our dog from California to Japan. We hired a preferred recommended transport company who are used to moving animals for the military across the world. Full disclosure, it costs over $10,000. And we did not get that money back from the military. But of course, it's worth it because they took care of everything from the paperwork to her flight, the transportation drop off the crate, you name it. And she did get to us safely last week and she is doing pretty well. She's adjusting uh, and she really likes the cherry blossoms too. She tries to eat the petals that fall from the ground. So she thinks it's snow, but it's, it's, it's pollen. So, you know, and she, everything worked out the way it was supposed to. There were a few minor hiccups along the way, but she's safe and she got here and that's what matters. And some also hard hitting uh, research that I did as well for this interview any thoughts of seeing Taylor Swift perform potentially, <laughs> you know, in Japan? All I'm saying is that if she decides to have a concert here anywhere in Japan, I'm getting those first row seats and I'm going to be there and I'm going to experience my time wisely. So I hope she makes it here in Japan, even though I'll be seeing her in California this July. <laughs> so, What are some future locations that you'd like to visit during your time in Japan? My number one place that I would like to visit with my husband is actually Mount Fuji. And it can be a day hike or an overnight hike in the cabin. We're going for the full hike from bottom to top, staying at the cabins and going, you know, doing everything. So we're currently preparing for that mentally and physically, and we're hoping to go next spring. Awesome. Uh, that's, That's a huge thing. And that's on my list, too. Not this summer, because uh, this summer is my son. Like, you know, whatever he wants to do, we're going to go do. 
when mm-hmm. else am I going to get like a 21 year old to myself for two weeks? You know, again, mm-hmm. ever. You know? <laughs> not going to happen. Prob- <laughs> probably not going to happen again. So no. like whatever he wants to do, dad will be right next to him. So, you know, it, it, I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it. But yeah. that following summer, I think I'll be following in your footsteps. I want to hire like a guide uh, mm-hmm. that, I, that I know just to kind of like walk me through and make sure that, you know, I come out the other side. Like still yes. in one piece, you know? we, we want to make sure everyone comes back safely. There's actually um, the MWR, which is kind of like the event planning for the military. They have training for those who want to do the full hike from Mount Fuji. So you have to Amazing. go in and do a talk, talk about, you know, motion sickness, elevation sickness, how to get there. There have been unfortunate situations where some have passed away due to being sick and, it's a lot of work. Uh, I have asthma. So that's one thing I have to worry about. So you have to definitely do your research, but I think it'll be 100% worth it. Of course, my mom is worried that the volcano is going to explode while I'm up there, but um, I think we'll be okay. I think we're not going to have to worry about that. So you and our asthma buddies, then that's like my concern. Why if I do it, like I want to be able to do it with a guide that's like someone that does this a lot. Where mm-hmm. they can, I can just be like, "Hey, here's my concerns. This is what I'm dealing with. Just you know, just get me yeah. there." <laughs> yeah, know, or like, go or go with somebody, and you know, make sure you yeah. let them know where your inhaler is, and you'll be fine. Yep. Just take a break yep. and continue on. So, now on to your photography and destination weddings. That like it was funny. Like I'm asking, "Hey, would you do that in Japan?" And like now, it's like, "Yeah, yeah, I would." I guess you know, like, <laughs> yeah, I would. <laughs> so, um, but so like those of you listening, they're in Japan. Like, hey, again, you know, this could be potentially for you. I must say, though, that I'm jealous of anyone who's beat me back to Japan this year. But I see, you know, from your social media that your travels go way beyond Japan itself Mm -hmm. and your services that you offer do just the same. Where are some of like your favorite locations you've been for the destination weddings that you've done? Hands down, my favorite two countries are based out of Europe, and that would be France and Greece. I feel so, I mentioned earlier, I feel so connected to France. I love art. I love architecture. And Greece, I actually would be thought would be the least place that I would fall in love with just because it's so touristy. But Greece is actually one of the most beautiful places I've ever photographed a wedding. And I like it because I like the beach and you're surrounded by water on some of those islands. So those are my two favorite places, but really anywhere in Europe, I'm more than happy to travel to. And where can people like look to take advantage of your destination weddings and things like that? Are there any places that you don't do? I feel like the only place I wouldn't want to shoot a wedding is if it's clearly unsafe. I feel like, first of all, they wouldn't even have a wedding if it wasn't an unsafe location for obvious reasons. I know Canada can be really strict with international photographers coming in to shoot weddings. So I probably wouldn't photograph a wedding there pretty much anywhere else. I am open. I love traveling. I love experience and I actually love flying. So I wouldn't mind flying anywhere that I can safely get to and, you know, photograph a wedding. Awesome. Awesome. And how do you determine like what you use for like the various weddings you cover, like the different equipment, things like that? Uh, This is a really good question. I get this a lot with my destination couples. Like they want to know what gear I'm bringing and I bring everything. So I have all of my lenses, all of my cameras. And the reason being is also not just because I want to be prepared, but because camera gear can malfunction just as, you know, any other technology issue. And it's important to have a backup if something were to go wrong. So I always bring a landscape and a portrait lens. I bring three camera bodies. I bring probably 10 battery packs because you just never know one could catch on fire. So 
it's always important for me to have everything because they are invested in me and my business and they have to trust me that I have everything that I need to be able to shoot their wedding. That's awesome. And do you have like, if you're just going around when you were vacationing for Japan in general, did you have anything that's like your go-to when you do that? Or is it still just kind of rotating between everything that you have? It rotates. My husband is a big fan of the 70 to 200 millimeter lens. You know, he gets really good close-up shots. I personally like a wider landscape lens uh, because I want to be able to get the whole picture. Uh, so we kind of balance each other out with that one. Uh, and usually I've been using my film camera lately, which I thought was pretty cool to check the tri-film out here in Japan. But really for destinations with uh, traveling, those are the two lenses I always bring. I usually keep behind a portrait lens unless I know I'm going to do some sort of like photo shoot with a couple. Awesome. So I know that you enjoy taking photos in in general and you love what you do, but I'm kind of interested when you were on vacation in Japan, Mm -hmm. which area kind of took most of your photos? I think that would have to be Kyoto and Tokyo for the two only because I know Kyoto is very good for like the anime district, which I was really excited to see different like different filming locations i took photos of that and then there was the the monkey park which i took a lot of photos there at the monkey park uh, and then tokyo as well because tokyo is a beautiful city so there's always lots to do lots of really cool parks to see with the you know tokyo tower and everything in between so definitely those two cities the most but really every single place uh, we were traveled to and we've seen there were at least 300 photos taken of different parts of the city so there's a lot of photos i have to edit now so awesome that's awesome and what services do you offer and like what advice would you give to anyone contemplating hiring a destination wedding photographer i love this question because destination photography for those uh like shooting weddings on that scale have become more saturated a lot of more people want to go ahead and start traveling because they love traveling just as much so if they're traveling and they want to shoot destination weddings, I would highly anticipate them to go to workshops, uh, get the experience, invest in actually showing up there, taking pictures, living there for a week or two and seeing what it really feels like. Because if I, if I see somebody saying, yeah, I, you know, I shoot weddings in like Jamaica, but they've never been to Jamaica, how am I going to know how, you know how that looks or how am I going to know if they actually know what they're doing? So when you want to get into that part of destinations, I would just go to the actual place and invest that money into those workshops, into those style shoots and get that experience. That way they are able to have that on their portfolio and show it. And, you know, they can get the clients from there. Also, I realized I didn't answer your first questions. (laughs) You're perfect. perfect. I'll do that right now. So I offer elopement and full day wedding services and full weekend services. The destination weddings usually tend to be full weekend because if they're having a destination wedding, they want to be able to take their families on excursions and have a really nice rehearsal dinner. And they want to have the full experience because that's a really big wedding day celebration to them. So the weekend coverage is usually two to three days, which has become the most popular. But elopements are still really nice too, because it's just the couple and you as in me, the photographer has more flexibility on taking them to different parts of the city to take pictures in. What would be one piece of advice you'd give to someone who is thinking about kind of doing what you're doing or just having photography as a career for themselves as well? 
the one piece of advice I have is for them to understand that they will mess up. As small business owners, we're not going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to have unhappy clients. We're going to get bad reviews. It's just the way it is. You cannot serve everyone and you cannot please everyone. So I would suggest when you get a bad review and when you have a bride or a groom who reaches out to you in distress and are unhappy, you fix it. So you try your best to fix it and you learn from the experience as well. You will become a better photographer. And I promise you, if you get one bad review, you're not going to get fired. Like you're not going to lose your business. I used to think that because I'm a very big overthinker. I was like, oh my God, they left me a four-star review out of five. Oh my God, I'm fired. This is it. Like I'm not going to get any more couples. But really, you just have to take it to heart, learn from it, sit with the mistakes for a few days, and then become better because of it. And you will become a better photographer after that. So if you could, just before we get back into our Beyond Japan section again and your goals and things that your services have, could you go into just a little bit more detail about like what you do? Because I know you do a lot. I love answering this question because I feel like a lot of people don't understand how not hard, but difficult being a destination wedding photographer is. One thing that I always do is I don't work the week before I leave for a wedding. So basically I'm quarantining myself. And this was something before COVID even became a thing. I am like sick prone. If I go outside and I smell the pollen in a weird way, I have asthma for a week straight. So I have to really take care of my body and I have to focus on being recharged. So it's not just me showing up, traveling, photographing the wedding and going home. It's me making sure I arrive there safely, arriving early. So I'm talking three to four days early. That way, if there is a plane delay or something, I have more time to get there. And it's about showing up and not only serving the couple, but serving their families as well. For me, it's important that they feel welcome, that they feel happy, that they're part of the experience too, because they're paying me to travel across the world. And now especially they're paying me from Japan, where it's going to take even a longer travel just to photograph a beautiful wedding for them. So it's just, you know, taking care of them, taking care of their family, taking care of myself. Usually when I book a destination weddings, the whole two weeks within that wedding, I am not booking anything else. I'm not going anywhere else. I'm taking care of my body. I'm staying hydrated and I'm focusing on making sure I am my best so I can serve them in the best way possible too. That's very honorable for like everything that you're doing. And it means like, you know, you put in, but I, I'm just kind of like laughing internally, not at you, but at the fact that I told my son, like before we go to go on our trip, I'm like, <laughs> and even like my game group that I have, I have like a bi-weekly D&D group that comes to my house. And I was like, just so Love you guys that. know, <laughs> I go, just so you know. Like nobody's coming to my house for that D and D, you know. I'll be remote. I'll be remote. Like you, you know, Tom, one of my guys that's you know been on the show as well, like lives near me, and I'm just like, listen, Tom, you're gonna be hosting, and I'm gonna be remote, <laughs> but I'm not going yeah. around anybody prior to this trip. I'm not like leaving for Japan sick if I could, you know, have anything to say about itself, so, you know. I- <laughs> exactly. It's I, I. You're putting so much money and so much time into planning a trip, you know, to Japan. Wouldn't it be terrible if you got the stomach virus like 24 hours before? I mean, I would suck it up and I would still go. Oh, yes. That's going to be a very miserable flight. Oh, no. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad for the people sitting next to me. But you're totally right, though. I think now because of the pandemic, a lot of people are, at least from my experience, some of them are more cautious about how they're treating their bodies. And I know a lot of people personally who are taking more vitamins and getting their flu shots uh, more than before because they know it's like they've gotten COVID, they felt really sick and they know 
uh, you know, a lot of them travel and they get sick while they're traveling and it's not a fun experience. So being able to be healthy makes your experience traveling so much better. Is there anything that you'd possibly like to add that we haven't covered to this point? Yeah. I want to say to those visitors who are first coming to Japan to know that it's going to be a bit overwhelming. Uh, I came prepared thinking, you know, I know some basic terms. I was excited to see Japan. I was excited. I knew the general idea of like how they get around with the trains, but I was so overwhelmed because some of, you know, some of the restaurants were hard to read because some of them don't have English menus. And even though you have Google Translator, it's not always correct. I learned that the hard way. And it can be scary, but really you just have to be open-minded. If you start getting anxious, which I'm calling myself out, let's be real. I tend to get very nervous and I make mistakes. And my husband's like, I'll just, I'll just make decisions from here. So just learn to relax, um, enjoy Japan and know that it can be overwhelming, but when you just randomly walk the streets, don't really plan too much because then that's usually when the best experience happens because you find something when you come across something that's really cool. 100%. I was in Osaka and walking around with one of my buddies and we ended up going into a coffee shop just to get something, you know, before exploring the rest of the city. And we ended up staying the whole night celebrating a birthday for the guy that roasted the uh, coffee beans for the lady that ran the establishment. And we were like, uh-huh. that was the rest of our night. And we would have never experienced <laughs> that, like you know, drinking with all of these people and just having a blast like the whole rest of the night. If we, you know, if you, if you weren't just open to that. So no, I agree. I, I love that. I, I mean, you're totally right. People here are very welcome. And I know a few had mentioned that the locals here do not welcome their guests properly, but I think they just had bad experiences because yeah. everyone here in Japan is so friendly. And they're so welcoming. And even if they look like they're happy on the outside and they're actually hate you on the inside, they don't show it. 100%. So they'll still help you and they'll still help you figure things out. And being able to like connect with those families, like you said, when you walked into the coffee shop and you ended up celebrating with one of the locals, like that is the kind of vibe that you can find here. They're welcoming you. It's kind of like grandma's kitchen in the South on Sunday afternoon, you know, like they're going to welcome you with a big plate of fried chicken or in this place, ramen and gyoza, and then they're going to just have a good time. So Agreed. And what are your goals for 2023 and beyond? My goals for 2023 and beyond are to really kind of just live here and just explore. Like I really want to enjoy my time here in Japan because I know how fortunate I am, even though I don't always feel happy to be here. I know I'm lucky to be here. So I really want to just explore Japan, go to different festivals, really looking forward for my goals to attend some anime conventions and dress in cosplay. I love dressing in cosplay and I just want to live in Japan and just try to do everything that I can while I'm here. I, I like it. I like it. And when it comes to your uh, industry and things like that, uh, what are your goals uh, for that as well? My goals for the industry as a wedding photographer would be to honestly just keep the business in business. This move has been one of the hardest moves I've had. And I've moved my business four times now. And having an international move while still operating an international business is difficult. So business-wise, it's just to keep serving my couples well, continue to build in that trust with them. Because obviously, it's a lot longer to go to Europe from Japan than it would be from like DC or California. And I want to be able to just serve them. And I want to be able to keep doing what I do because I love photographing weddings. I love couples. And I love serving them in the best way. 
if I didn't have this business, I honestly don't know what I would be doing here in Japan. So just being able to serve them and you know, keeping everything going from here on out to continue doing what I love to do. Thank you so much, Dana. And once again, before we kind of exit together here today, where can listeners of Lost Without Japan find you, support you, or just ask questions uh, if we didn't cover it in today's talk? I am a big person on Instagram. I love meeting new people. I love just chatting with anybody who comes into my inbox. So please, if you are more than happy to ask me any questions or get any information, you can just find me on Instagram uh, at Destinations with Dana. All one word. Excellent. We'll be putting that in show notes today, too. If you happen to be driving, you know, or just without a pencil. <laughs> please don't text <laughs> and drive. That's right. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> oh, thank, th- thank you again, Dana, so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very much excited and I can't wait to share more of this podcast with everyone. Love it. And before we get out to our normal outro, I just wanted to take a quick moment and this kind of ties together. Um, We interviewed a gentleman, Maurice, uh, for Gambate. His photo book is live on Kickstarter. So if you listened to the last episode and went to try to click a link that was not there, it is there now. So if you're <laughs> so if you're interested, please just go ahead and check it out. He put a lot into it and it looks fantastic. And he is someone, uh, Dana, that is all, uh, you know, non-digital based. So everything that was out of it was there. So it's just kind of cool seeing everything that was there. Um, so just you know, nice to tie these two together. Photography, love of photography. Yeah. <laughs> so, so on behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this interview. We look forward to seeing you on board again for our next regularly scheduled episode as we continue our discussion on Japan, travel, culture, and your Lost Without moments. To everyone out there, oh, ginky day. Stay well, my friends.